So last week, we got down, I think, to around verse uh, 15, if I'm remembering right. Uh, we kind of read about the, the man in the city and the great king, a great king uh, came against it. Kind of wanted to make a few more uh, comments about that. If you remember, it was, uh, there was a little city with a few men in it. This is verse 14. And a great king came against it and besieged it and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. And you know, we talked last week about how, you know, a lot of times good things happen, right? You know, wise people make good decisions, um, but they don't necessarily get credit for it, which, you know, we know that happens all the time, whether that's it in the church or whether it's at school or whether it's with your family or whatnot. You know, we do know a lot of things that go on and a lot of people, you know, don't get the credit for it or, you know, really most don't want it just as long as good things happen and things are moving in the right direction. But in this case here, in this parable, if you will, this was just a a clear case of that where a great wise man did a great deed, but it just kind of went unnoticed, so to speak. But our point and the whole outcome of that was Good, positive things still came from it. You can never let, you know, the negative or people around you interfere with doing what's right. You know, always do what's right. And whether they benefit or not, most of the time they will. And whether they're grateful or not, oh well. You know, we're always going to do what's right to the best of our ability. Then we jump down to verse 16. And it says, Then I said, Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. What do you think about when you see wisdom is better than strength? What does that make you think of? Yeah. David and Goliath, yeah. Or it makes me think, like, I was much stronger when I was in my 20s and 30s, and the older I get, seems like the weaker I get, which... Don't tear your body down. It keeps morale up. People are happier if they're not wearing out and tearing their body. But that's exactly right, and that's exactly what I was thinking and where I was going. Yeah, as we get older, our body might get weaker. You know, we're not not all strong like Austin, obviously. Yeah, but but one day, whether he realizes it or not, his strength is going to go away just a little bit. No time soon, but just a little bit. Over age, he's going to get weaker and weaker, but, no, but that, that's exactly right. So the, the theory is, or what is being said here, yeah, we're going to get old, and we're going to get weaker, but we should grow wiser, right? Our wisdom should grow. The older we get, the wiser we become. So, and that's a lot that had to do with that story uh, that we just read, is which they're bringing out here. You know, the old fool that everybody thought was the old fool in the city, guess what? He was the wisest man in the city, you know, the wise old fool. (laughs) But they just thought he was an old fool. So, yeah, don't don't let that, uh, you know, in in the church today, I think we do a good job recognizing that, that the the older folks and the seniors in, in the congregation, man, they got a ton of wealth. You know, they, they've read their Bibles, and they know the scripture, and 
they've been around, they've had life experiences, and they've dealt with people and taught lessons, and, you know, there's, there's a, a wealth of knowledge there that we have, you know, in our seniors, so very thankful for that, and being able to go to them and talk to them, you know, is a good thing as well. Let me tell you a little story here. I think is was pretty cool when I read it, and goes right along with what we just said about uh, strength and wisdom. It says, a strong man at a construction site was bragging. This goes to you, Jim, what you were saying. young man at a construction site was bragging that he could outdo anyone in a feat of strength. He made a special case of making fun of one of the older workmen. After several minutes, the older worker had had enough. He said, why don't you just put your money where your mouth is? He said, I'll bet a week's wages that I can haul something in a wheelbarrow over to that other building that you won't be able to wheelbarrow back. Your own, old man. Your own, the young worker replied. The old man reached out, grabbed the wheelbarrow by the handles. Then he turned to the young man and said, all right, get in. I thought that was pretty good. Tell me that was not wise. There's no way that that young, you know, buck could, could, could do that. So there's using wisdom over strength right, right there. You know, he got him. Uh, it's not always, you know, as we've mentioned, popular to be the wisest man, or you don't always get the credit that sometimes you deserve. But in the end, it seems like a lot of time, wisdom is what wins. You know, in the wind, wisdom's going to win. It says, then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Can somebody turn to Isaiah 42 real quick? Just something I just want to point out I thought was interesting as well and maybe somebody turned to Acts 12 so remember what we just read but the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded okay the words of a wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools and what does Isaiah 42 2 say okay who was that talking about there you go talking about Jesus and it Pretty much just saying that, you know, what kind of ruler there, and then there, there's no sense in it. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, and that's what's going to allude if somebody can read Acts chapter 12. If you can read the whole chapter, it's really good at uh, what it's talking about. But verses 21 through 23, if somebody could read that. But to set that up too, is Herod here, he's going back and forth. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and read. 12, 21, and 23. Okay. Yeah. And to get the full impact, which is going back to the shouting, you know, the loud type leader, you know, that thinks they got to loud and be loud and do this and that. Well, towards the end of that verse, you see, even the crowd got loud. And it said that before that, the Herod was already mad and upset. Because if you know the story uh, of Peter, but we won't go into all that. But the bottom line is, it's what they're talking about here in, uh, in Ecclesiastes. How the rulers like Christ, the quiet, to the point, 
not loud in the streets, look at me, look at me, how smart I am, like Herod, but you got somebody like Jesus Christ that's humble, one-on-one with somebody, you know, and behind a closed door or whatever. So just kind of make that point there. Um, And then a lot of times, if you think about it, you know, godly wisdom, unfortunately, you know, if you use it and, and a lot of times when you try to teach other people or tell other people about it, a lot of people won't even listen to it. It's kind of like one ear, in one ear and right out the other, you know. And why do you think that is? Why, why would somebody, why, why would somebody that you're talking to and you know you could help them because you've been there, you've done it, you know, you have the wisdom, why would they not listen to you? Pride, okay. What else? Especially if they were outside the church. We've seen this over and over again, too, or in the church, but pride would definitely do it. Um, but what? Physically stronger. But what do most people think a lot of times, too? That's, there you go. They think they're better than that, or they know better. Most people think, yeah, yeah, I know, whatever. You, you know, sounds good, blah, blah, blah. I got it. I got it. I can take care of this. And a lot of times that just, that just don't work. We know that. We've seen that. Because we know because we've done it. Even as Christians today, we're horrible to say, God, I know, but, but I got this. You know, I'm going to do it my way. I know I've seen other people try and it's failed, but I think I can do it. And you know what? Most of the time we end up, you know, going down the same path and, and failing too. <clears throat> But, you know, when we see people that do go above and beyond and, and use their wisdom, especially in our youth, you know, I, I think about my boys and the kids that are, you know, in this congregation that are away at college and they're, they're staying faithful and they're going to church and, you know, they're still staying active. Man, that ought to give us a lot of joy and, and we should praise them for that, you know. Sticking, you know, we've raised them to know right from wrong and, to go to worship and, and do this and do that, and then when they move away from us, they still do it. So, you know, that's that's been, you know, that's, you could say that was wisdom, you know, that they've got the knowledge, and now that they're using it, and they're, you know, so anytime we get a chance to pat somebody on the back, you know, I, I think that's a, a good thing to do as well. Any comments before we keep moving? All right, let's read verse 18. It says, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. And I kind of wrote a little note here. It says, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one foolish act can undo the fruit of wisdom. Yep. One foolish act can undo the fruit of wisdom. That's pretty powerful. I mean, think about what that says for a minute. Um, one single person or one single, uh, you know, makes me kind of think about two, one person, you could have, you could have all of us sitting here tonight as Christians, but if you got one naysayer or one just attitude or whatever, and they get up here or they go amongst everybody and they start pulling people to the side, they can start tearing us down as a group or one by one. Uh, you know, it only takes one person. And I think we've probably all seen that over the years in certain congregations. One person will come in 
and cause division, you know, cause a big mess. Jeff could grow and grow and grow and not only affect you, you could say, but that could affect hundreds and thousands of people along the way, you know. So that's a good point, though. Something that small can affect one person, but before that fire is put out, it could affect hundreds, if not thousands of people. So that's kind of what they're getting at here. And it made me think about, too, if you go and buy groceries at the store, which we all do, get a bag of grapes or tomatoes or apples. Sooner or later, there's going to be that one bad one that's going to pop up in there. But what do you need to do immediately? You need to get it out of there. You need to pluck it out. You need to get it out of the rest so it don't mess the rest of them up, you know? So get that bad grape out of that bad tomato, and the other ones will have a better chance. So... And then 1 Corinthians 5, 6, of course, talks about a little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump of dough, right? So it's 1 Corinthians 5, 6. So we just got to make sure we guard ourselves, you know, from being contaminated by sin, which in return will definitely destroy, destroy us. And we've kind of talked about this, but I just kind of made a note, which I'm going to read it anyhow. It says, if we build much good, what could much good, if we build much good, and what I put here is I... I think about, like, our, me and Cheryl, my kids, the church family, um, what, whatever you can categorize as much good, and then you can think about, well, what could this one sinner be, you know? And it kind of, to Jeff's point and to other points that were made, it could just about be anything that would tear you down or tear what you, that much good that you've built, Right? If you think about it, we all have that. If you've got family and friends, and we definitely have each other, we should always be guarding and protecting and make sure that that one sinner, whether it be a thing, a it, a person, or whatever, you know, it doesn't get in here and affect us. And you know, we always are bad to bash, you know, certain things that we do. And, uh, of course, I watch enough TV, and I, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff on TV, I realize. But over the years, it seems like more and more kids are watching stuff. We watch more stuff. Uh, and you've got to be careful what you leave your TV on. You look up, and I know I'm bad to be watching something on TV, and Cheryl will wake up doing her homework. When I was watching at 10 o'clock, well, that's a long story. That's true. <laughs> That's true, right, Cheryl? I wish I was not telling the truth. She comes home so tired and has a lot of homework to do, and she'll do it like five minutes, and she's like this. She's like, just let me sleep 30 minutes and wake me up. Okay. So I'll wait 45. Cheryl will get up. Oh, let me have 30 more minutes, and she'll go back to sleep. Well, this will go on for like an hour or two to like 10 or 10, 30 or 11 until I'm like, Cheryl, I'm going to bed. I would love to hang with you. All right, all right. And she'll go back out. But then somehow she'll wake back up at 11, 11.30 and do her homework till 2 o'clock in the morning. But she's got to have that little power nap. But my point was, and you know what I'm saying, you can watch something at 8 or 9 o'clock on TV and then come midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 in the morning. She's like, what in the world were you watching on TV last night? It's like, well, it ain't what you were watching at 2 in the morning. So, you know, a lot of bad things come on TV. I don't know what you thought. I was, you know, it's like... TBS or one TNN or something, but apparently at one or two o'clock in the morning things change. So, 
Another thing I wanted to before we jump, I know that was the end of chapter 9, but I want to go and make another comment about that verse 13 through 18, um, talking about the can't, you know, get away from the wise old man in that city, the good that he done that didn't get recognized, but, you know, a great feat was, was done there. But I come across something I want to share with you, and it's kind of aside from, uh, you know, what Solomon here. Don't take away what Solomon is saying in the scriptures, okay? But what I want to do is give an analogy of a few things that were in this, which is kind of neat and cool that apply to us today, you know, modern-day type Christians. You know, we do that a lot in the Bibles where one thing will mean something and have, you know, kind of like the water and the different examples you can use for salvation with water. But it mentioned as like the first one as far as wisdom. Okay, wisdom. Wisdom would be the New Testament entrusted uh, today for us, okay? So the wisdom could be the New Testament scripture. The second one, the small city, that would be the church, right? So think about that little small city as being the church. The next one, the great king, okay, the great mean king. Uh, think about Satan himself. You know, think of Satan, you know, sets him out against, sets himself out against, you know, Christ and the church. And then think about the four, the poor old wise man. That could be represent Jesus Christ himself with all the wisdom in the world, but by some, it didn't matter. You know, forgotten, forgot the good that was done. So if you kind of look at it that way, it kind of tells a pretty neat story. Even in the Old Testament, and I'm sure, you know, I can't stand here and tell you that's what Solomon was referring to, which don't take that, but I think it's kind of neat how you can look at it from that perspective as far as a, a Christian age type. Uh, analogy there. All right, anything else? That's all I was going to share on verse, yep, chapter 9. So wisdom is better than strength. So we talked about that, how we know wisdom in the end is going to win, basically. Your your strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. Well, and if you think about it, the poor, it kind of goes along with the story Remember the story that that we were told that we talked about, <laughs> or that? <laughs> no, the one here in the scripture, the one that's that's fallen in thirteen through eighteen is talking about the same thing. Thirteen through eighteen, uh, there was a small city. The smart, they thought he was a fool, but he was a wise man. It's just they don't listen to him. Um, you know, the poor man may be the wisest man, which he was in the city. But they didn't listen to him. They didn't care. It was kind of like today, if you think about it. You know, if, it, if a lot of times you don't listen to the wisest person around in politics and in this country today is who's got the most money and the most power type thing. It's almost like wisdom is second or third on the list. You know, it's, yeah, because you're not the teacher. You're not that smart. It's kind of like Jim said with Gus. You don't have all these letters, and I think that's what it even in his in his words. Uh, nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. So, kind of like you said, they didn't want to listen to him. Wouldn't even listen to him because they considered him to be a poor fool, which he was very wise. Which that's a great example of that preacher there. So, 
All right, well, let's jump on to verse, uh, let's go to chapter 10. This is some interesting stuff in chapter 10, I think. Uh, some of the things that, is, that are said and compared to and a lot of good common sense stuff, which this whole book is a lot of good common sense stuff that we can use. But some of it you kind of got to think about. Let's look at verse 1. Dead flies, now tell me if I get this right. Uh, I had it earlier. Putrefy? Putrefy. Putrefy. Which means to decay or rot. To decay or rot. Because I had to look that word up because I didn't want to stand up here and say that word. Dead flies putrefy, decay or rot the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So it does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. So I think this is kind of <laughs> interesting here. It says dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink. Uh, so a little foolishness is another way that I, or so even a little foolishness may outweigh wisdom and honor. So a little foolishness may outweigh uh, wisdom and honor. But let's talk about first that dead fly thing. What do you think, any idea what that's talking about? Or what the analogy they're trying to make there? Dead fly makes the perfumer's oil stink. Thank you. Which says one sinner destroys much good. I, I was going to say that. No, that's good. I love it. That makes me smile and happy. When, but you're right. And what they're saying. Go ahead, Jeff. And that's what I was going to say. No, that's perfect. I mean, that's exactly. Does anybody else? Does anybody else want to say any? Add to. I mean, that's. Think about the fly and the ointment, um, like perfume or ointment. You think kind of expensive. Kind of takes a lot of time to do. It's a process. And think about a fly gets in it. One little fly has shut down the whole process, and you got to start over. That's what I was. That's right. Yeah, that's yep. I was about that too. Get a big old plate of food and look down. There's a hair in it. Yeah, I don't care if it's just a eyelash or a brow. Oh, I thought you were about that. <laughs> but that's the same point. You know how that little bitty fly ruined that ointment and just caused it to stink and smell where it was not usable or no good. Same thing that we're talking about here, like in a restaurant, get a hair in your food. Mm-mm. No, I'm done. Send it back. It's, it's ruined. It's spoiled. Um, and to Jeff's point where he was talking about, to take this to where we are today, you know, it, it take, and Austin can tell you this. I used to could tell you this. It takes a long time to get in shape and, and physically, and Jeff, you know from ball, to get to a shape and a position where you're comfortable and you always want to get stronger and bigger and all this. How long does it take to lose all that? Just like that. Just like that. Like a diet. You can lose weight and lose weight and lose weight, but then how quick does it take to gain it all back? And then some. Just a couple of days. So... <laughs> Or a week or two, maybe. But that's, that's the same thing, though. But, but that's to Jeff's point how people can spend a lifetime building something, a reputation or a good work or whatever, and just like that, some small fly can drop in and ruin everything. Hello? So I guess our lesson here, we, you know, 
for all of us and to remember. One, you know, there's no such thing as insignificant type actions or sins. You know, I think we hit on it enough here on this one verse that even the smallest thing uh, can c- cause a lot of damage or money or whatever, you know, however you want to apply it to. Uh, and also I saw where it says a, a fly in the ointment, which is kind of a common phrase. I've never used it. Have you all ever heard that? I think it's a time era thing where the that generation maybe has heard it. I don't know. I was pointing to Jim and Karen. But I did look that up, a fly in the ointment. And it's actually, whippersnapper. (laughs) But a fly in the ointment, if you hear somebody say that, I looked it up, it means a single thing or person that is spoiling a situation that could have been very positive. So it's like things were going good, party was happening, and then all of a sudden, you know, fly in the ointment situation. So, all right, good stuff. And I think we've pretty much covered what my notes here was talking about, can a person be that fly yeah person can definitely be that fly and the thing is let's make sure that 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 we're not that fly you know whether it's at home or at church or at work or whatever let's make sure that you know that's that's never never us and never our intention because you know as we've just talked about a little thing a little thing uh, can definitely ruin everything a little thing can ruin everything all right let's read verse Two, Solomon writes here, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. It's another verse here that's got a lot said that, you know, that we could talk about here. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Can somebody real quick look up Matthew 25 for me? And somebody Acts chapter 7. First of all, you know, this definitely isn't talking about Republicans and Democrats, you know, the right and the left. Uh, I guess you could look at it now <laughs> if you wanted to. But pretty sure that's not what he's talking about. Uh, but there's several places in the Bible that, that you're, you're familiar with, whether you remember or not, that uh, this places strength and blessing or whatnot on the right hand, and the left hand is considered, you know, weakness or a place of weakness. Um, who, but that's why I was saying there's so many different things we can keep on and on about this left hand, right hand, even today and back in the Bible. But who's got Matthew 25, 31 through 33 to start with? <laughs> 33, 31 through 30. It don't have big words in it. 31 through 33 and then 41. Okay, so that's a pretty familiar scripture, I think, for the the right hand and the left hand. Who had Acts 7, 55 and 56, please? But I just wanted to kind of throw that in there so we could see, and as y'all made good comments about the right hand and the left hand and the analogies there that were in the Old Testament and the New Testament and today, you know. Right hand man, that's right. So it goes on and on. And we'll stop there. I know we're out of time, so thank you all very much.